Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie over there and I'm Monty and together we're going to cover the world of sports. Again, the dominant part of what we talk about today is going to be the NFL divisional round action this weekend. One blowout in the second half, three great games culminated by the just completed Kansas City victory over the Buffalo Bills. We'll tell you our early thoughts on next week's NFC and AFC championship games where the Ravens are giving three and the San Francisco 49ers are giving seven. We'll talk NBA, especially trade talk with the uh, trade deadline coming about. One big trade that happened this week and then I'll finish my closing thought talking University of Hawaii men's basketball. But Ernie, Let's start with the marquee matchup. So many good games, but let's talk about the one that just ended. Kansas City going on the road to Buffalo and breaking the Bills' hearts again, 27-24. Yeah, this, this is reminiscent of, for all, for all you, uh, not baby boomers, but guys of my age, <laughs> Scott Norwood, 1986, wide right, at least Scott Norwood's field goal was further than today's field goal. The field goal attempt uh, that just didn't happen. Boy, if you're a Bills fan, that must have hurt. Definitely. I mean, we talked about that last week when uh, Bass really struggled in last week's game. And I and I said last week that if it came down to a kick, I'd be nervous if I would be the Buffalo Bills. And lo and behold, it's... Sh- Somehow it it draws to the right, misses pretty easily. It was a 44-yard field goal, and uh, the hearts of Buffalo just snapped right there. But Ernie, in the first half, this had all the makings of the 2021 divisional matchup, which I believe was one of the two greatest football games I'd ever seen. Back way a long time ago in the early 80s, the, the Chargers at the Dolphins, 41-38, Kellen Winslow being I carried remember, off yeah, the field. I remember that one. That one still remains one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And then that Bills-Chiefs matchup from two uh, three years ago now. In the first half, it was back and forth. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown Allen, touchdown Mahomes, touchdown Allen, touchdown Mahomes. Back and forth, um... 21-17 at the half. In the second half, Kansas City comes out, take, uh, takes a lead, um, and then That's the offense sure. stopped. Yeah. You know, it just stopped. And then there were Kansas City really started to control the game. They they could have been up 10. Buffalo down three, 27-24. To me, an ill-advised fake punt at the 30-yard line. They did not make it. Kansas City takes the ball. Would have scored if not for a freak fumble that went through the end zone, giving the Bills life. Or else that would have made it um, 34-24. to But Buffalo could only get to that point where they could kick the field goal, and it missed. It was 
again, a heartbreaking end. To me, I told Ernie this off the air, the best Kansas City has played all year. Offensively, they did well. 400 yards of offense. Mahomes didn't turn the ball over. Pacheco with 100 yards. Kelsey with two touchdowns. I thought, and the defense played really, really well, especially in that second half. They completely stymied the run that was working really well in the first half. They did not give anything to James Cook. They made him one-dimensional. Josh Allen did all he could. Did not turn the ball over. But lo and behold, wide right, Buffalo loses, Kansas City advances to their seventh consecutive AFC championship game. Yeah, incredible. And you you think, oh, wow, this is another feather in Mahomes' cap. I mean, if they were to somehow go into Baltimore next week and complete the task to get to the Super Bowl, then that contract that they made uh, when he became the highest paid uh, quarterback in the NFL was a deal. Yeah. So, you know, the the two happiest people probably in the NFL tonight or the two happiest areas in the NFL is the Baltimore, the whole Baltimore area, as well as Roger Goodell, because the Chiefs winning assures that Taylor Swift will be (laughs) at the AFC championship game. She was in Buffalo today, causing quite the stir. She I'm sure she'll be in Baltimore next weekend. So all of Baltimore will be on Taylor Swift watch uh, and Roger Goodell and whoever's carrying that game. I'm not sure if it's an NBC game, a CBS game. They're all over the place now. I can't really follow it, but they're going to be happy as well because where Taylor Swift goes, the ratings follow. Yeah. And if if, if they were smart, she would, uh, you know, continue that her arrow story in Baltimore. Get some of those Baltimore fans on the Chiefs side going into that game. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie is a diehard Steeler fan, as you all know, and he is I don't on, want on anyone but Ravens Anybody. status. Um, so again, <laughs> the we're talking about the Ravens about next week. So in the first half against the Texans, it was 10-10. Um, they went right down the field, and then all of a sudden the Texas got some pressure on Lamar Jackson, stopped them three times in a row. One punt return for a touchdown makes it 10-10 at halftime. Adjustments were made, and Baltimore dominated the second half. Touchdown, 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 and that defense made C.J. Stroud look like a rookie, unlike what he's done the entire year. Baltimore looks for real. They, uh, yeah. they, re- they really look different. And I was telling Ernie, I think for me, it, it, Lamar Jackson is not pressing. The defense is so strong that he seems to be in complete control. Not having, They're not getting behind. He's not having to throw the ball a lot. He's using his legs. Um, Baltimore looks like it's going to be a tough out. But when it comes to Mahomes, you can never count him out. Yeah, I'm just hoping on that... Uh I'm not even counting on Mahomes. I'm, I'm, I'm more crossing my fingers on that Kansas City defense because you're right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta make Lamar Jackson press. I mean, uh, you know, and even when he does press, I mean, his mobility within the pocket uh, leaves it open to make some big running plays with the athleticism that he presents. You know, uh, on that skill set, uh, I'm just crossing my fingers, like Monty said. Uh, Anybody but Baltimore. Sorry if you're a Baltimore uh, Ravens fan, but I'm a Steelers fan. I cannot, I cannot handle Baltimore winning this year. Yeah, you know, I, and San Francisco, man, get your life back because you didn't look dominant today. Uh, 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to the NFC, but let's do this, Ernie. Baltimore giving three at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Your thoughts on that spread? I know what your heart is telling you. You want Kansas City plus the points. What is your head saying? That Baltimore is going to beat Kansas City <laughs> because I think Kansas City, although they played well today, hard to ride those emotional highs two weeks in a row. Uh, Baltimore had it very easy on, from the emotional standpoint today, you know, with that second half blowout. I mean, uh, Texans, you, you guys should be proud. You're an up and coming program, but, you know, Baltimore really showed you what it takes to get to that next level. Uh, that defense that we saw last year when they were like, when half their team was basically on IR uh, was for real because now they're healthy. And, you know, when you got that, uh, when you're healthy and you got, you got it on both sides of the ball. That's the San Francisco of the East, you know, in my opinion. Maybe even surpassing it because San Francisco, even though I think they have, uh, uh, you know, a harder competition uh, on the NFC side, uh, Baltimore is hitting it on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I agree. I think my, my if I had to bet the game, I would take Baltimore. I just believe it's seeming to think that it's their year, at least from the AFC standpoint, to get into the Super Bowl. Uh, I think their defense is going to be a problem for Kansas City, and I'm not sure Kansas City has the answer. But I can tell you this, Baltimore, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, it behooves you to beat them badly. Because if it comes down to the end of the game, you can never bet against Mahomes. But one thing the Ravens have going for them that Buffalo didn't, the greatest kicker in NFL history. They have Justin Tucker on their side. So even a close game, they can win. But I just think it behooves the Ravens to try to blow out Kansas City and not give Mahomes a chance because he's proven time and time and time again he's up to that challenge. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think uh, with the weapons, if you were to switch Mahomes onto Baltimore, Lamar onto Kansas City, I think Mahomes would uh, you know, have that spread. I think he's the better quarterback of the two, although I think Lamar's, Lamar Jackson is going to win the NFL MVP award this season because of what he's done uh, with that team. The weapons that they have on Baltimore's side – very under, uh, I guess not starstruck, you know, you don't, uh, but they are there. I mean, very capable players and flowers, you know, and, and veteran wide receivers as well as their tight ends. Even though you have Kelsey on the other side, Andrews is a good answer. And he's coming back next week. He hasn't yeah. played since he broke his ankle. He's coming back. But you know what? Isaiah Likely has been doing a phenomenal Terrific. job yeah. in his absence. So now you have the two of two. them uh, as weapons, but... Is Odell Beckham hurt? Because I didn't watch the whole game, but I didn't see any o, you know, Odell Beckham in that game. I saw Bateman. I saw a lot of Flowers. Uh, I saw a lot of Likely and some and the running, but I didn't see Odell Beckham at all. He must have been, well, who knows? He may have been benched. I, I haven't heard of any injury uh, of, of the sort. He, he may have been benched. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if that Odell Beck OBJ uh, attitude is coming in. I, I I would hate to think so. You know, being uh, he's more of a veteran now, and he, he you know he doesn't have the same cachet was as of when he was uh, you know in his in his uh, athletic prime. But uh, you know he, that's that's the additional weapons that they have. I think the weapons on Baltimore are just that much more better from a consistent basis, although. Kansas City's D is very, very good. From an overall balance standpoint, Baltimore's is better. You don't see, you don't, 
you don't have uh, that standout defensive player in Baltimore, but they they are all there. They play as one unit. Yeah, I mean they're they're loaded. I mean their linebacker group with with Queen and and especially uh, Smith phenomenal their defensive line number one in sacks baltimore number two in sacks kansas city at the two uh defenses with the most sacks it's going to be an incredible game odell beckham did play one catch for 12 yards against the texans so that wraps up the afc again that's ernie i am monty now let's move to the end uh to the nfc where i think Ernie alluded to this number one seed san francisco 49ers really caught a break because green bay played them yeah, really lucky. really well yeah, they could not get into the end zone in the first half on three trips into san francisco territory they had to uh, go for two field goals and one turnover they go into the half down seven to six they come out with two touchdowns in the second half take a 21 14 lead it becomes 21 17 a great drive an opportunity for a chip shot 41-yard field goal to put him up seven. The rookie kicker misses his 13th kick of the year. San Francisco marches down the field. Brock Purdy goes six of seven on the last drive. Christian McCaffrey, second touchdown. And the 49ers pull it off 24 to 21 to advance to the NFC Championship. Yeah. Your thoughts on that game? Yeah, and I love had that love Green Bay actually had a chance right after that. You know, love scramble out of the pocket through the worst pass you can. Everybody says it's it's basically a cliche. Do not throw across your body out of the pocket into the middle of that defense, especially as San Francisco defense. I know Hufunga is out. They're all pro safety. But still, they got a ton of weapons out there. And that, to me, I saw so much uh, San Francisco red on that pass. There was no way. I mean, you yeah, have... he really forced it there. That, that was that, it. Yeah. That you, he gave away the game, in my opinion, at that part. Yeah, he certainly... I mean, that just seemed uncharacteristic of how cool and calm he's been. There was no reason for that throw. He could have ran yeah. the ball out of bounds. He could have thrown the ball out of bounds. They still had a couple timeouts. There was still a minute and 15 seconds. It was... I get it if it's 4th and 20 but it was 4th and 15, but it was... First or second down, there was there was more time to play. It was a mistake that I'm sure he is going to be living with and learn from going forward. But this is the thing with number one seeds. I think if you're going to get them, you got to get them in that first game. Because both the 49ers and the Ravens, the 49er players hadn't played in three weeks. Rust. Rust. You know, so if you're going to get them, you, you got to get them that first week. San Francisco survives. Now they go to next week against the Detroit Lions, who another uh, hard-fought, great victory today, 31-23, holding on over Baker Mayfield, picking him off down the stretch uh, to secure the win. Jared Goff has another solid game today. They win 31-23 to advance to their first NSG championship game since George Washington was the president. (laughs) I'm not even sure. But you know what? The way the 49ers have played down the stretch, not just last week, but let's not forget they got annihilated by the Ravens. They came back and they won a game. Then they benched everybody. The Rams beat them, and then they struggled with Green Bay. Um, Detroit has the ability to go into San Francisco and give them a hard time. My only trepidation, because I'm cheering for Detroit, because like Ernie's anyone but the Ravens at this point, 
I know a lot of Hawaii people love the 49ers, but it's anybody but the 49ers for me uh, at this point in time. Um, the 49ers own Jared Goff. I mean, they've always, when he was with the Rams, always find a way to get pressure up the middle. And if you're going to give Goff a hard time, it's getting pressure up the middle. Um so it's going to take him to have his best game. And Brock Purdy is going to have to turn the ball over uh, for the Lions to have a chance. It's San Francisco minus seven. Your thoughts first on Detroit against Tampa Bay, and then we'll get into your pick you for know the I'm, NFC Championship. Well, I'm, I'm very surprised the way Baker Mayfield handled you know, the latter part of the, the season. I really never thought that... Uh, you know they would even make it this far let alone win a playoff game but they gave the Detroit Lions all all the problems they could count for and and he was a big part of it he had made some timely runs some really crucial throws to keep them in the game it wasn't until the end where the Lions were just able to pull away uh you know and, and that's what you get when you have home field advantage you know you have the crowd on your side adrenaline and whatnot you know, and that's what pulled the lines to me into victory. Uh, but hats off to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for doing what they did. And I don't think, I think, I think Mayfield is going to stay there. There is talk about him, uh, them not renewing a contract uh, that he'd be available because he's only on a one-year contract. I think he's there for the long run. I think this is something that uh, they've proven that you know, and he's still relatively young. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a mainstay for them during the off seasons. As for the matchup next week on the Lions uh, going to the 49ers, uh, just for the sake that I think the the 49ers can give the Ravens a better uh, matchup in the Super Bowl, uh, I'm going to have to go with the 49ers on top of on that. Uh, the Lions, I think, will make it a game. I am not confident about the 49ers. Like you said, they haven't been playing their best ball. Uh, they've shown their vulnerabilities. I think there's a little bit of arrogance on that side, and I, I, I've seen it. I mean, for a team that's been to the, you know, the AFC Championship game how many years in a row? I mean, the same thing goes for the Kansas City Chiefs. They, they don't have uh, that many uh, championships to show for it. You know, so uh, to me, they're vulnerable. Uh, they may be looking ahead because they lost to the Baltimore Ravens earlier in the season. I think the uh, Detroit Lions, don't be surprised. I think this is going to be a game. But I think in the end, just like how they did today with the Packers, I think just the might of the 49ers uh, will just be too much for the Detroit Lions. That and the home crowd. Yeah, and that, that could vary, but I agree with you. Tampa Bay had a much better than expected season. Their defense uh, was solid. The question mark was losing Brady, replacing him with Mayfield. Baker throws for over 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, and really seemed to get along with that team and was able to lead that team. I think it would be crazy for them to get rid of him. I mean, certainly you're not going to give him $50 million, No. But if you can get him for 30 uh, 35 million maybe even franchise franchise him if you want to for one year uh, i think he's going to stay there and i think it's a win-win situation if he does stay there because he's finally found a home uh, and they have weapons godwin and of course mike evans, evans 10 yes. years 10 years of ten thousand uh, yards a season 80 almost 90 touchdowns now in his career he's an animal yeah they they have a lot of talent so i would agree with you i think san francisco is going to win i think 
This is where the Detroit season is going to come to a crashing halt. I think the 49ers are going to play like the number one seed. I think the Detroit Lions uh, are going to cave in a little bit from two emotional weekends at home. Um, I think it's a little bit too much to expect them. Incremental steps. They went from three wins to nine wins and just missed the playoffs to 12 wins and and getting to the NFC championship game. I think it's too soon to expect them to get to the Super Bowl. I think San Francisco is going to win and I think they're going to cover that seven point spread. Although I hope I am wrong. I hope you're I hope you're right, even, even, <laughs> even though I think it's going to be a close. Well, the Ravens blew out both of these teams this year, so yeah. I, that's, both of them are going to want revenge, and I think both of them will give a better showing in the second time around against the Ravens, if it's them. It could be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You it, just never know. It could. I mean, it, to me, that game depends on turnovers. I think it's going to come down to the only way that, uh, in my opinion, that the Kansas City Chiefs have a chance in that game is that the Baltimore Ravens do what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat them twice. One, of course, at the end of the season when they didn't play any of their starters. But in the game that they, the Steelers won, it was because of defense and because of turnovers and special teams. That's the, that's the formula for them to win that game. Baltimore could be undefeated this year. I mean, that's how good they are. I mean, all their games were all one-score losses and you know, in games that they, sh- they actually should have won, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, this comes to playoff times. So I, I, I kind of think that that second half of their game with the Texans really showed, you know, we're not playing with our food anymore. You know, we're here. We're, we, 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 got, uh, we got business to do, and we're going to do it. Although I hope, I hope overconfidence trips them up somewhere down the road. Yeah, I think right now, if you're a Kansas City fan, what you want to do is get Sean McVay on the phone because the only team that lit up the Ravens down the stretch was the Rams, putting 31 <laughs> points on the Ravens in Baltimore. But anyway, that is the playoff picture. NFC and AFC championship games are set. Baltimore minus three against Kansas City and San Francisco lane seven at home to the Detroit Lions. We're still earning on Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh watch. The only real news that came out of football this week is that nobody was going anywhere. Antonio Pierce gets the the gig in the Raiders officially. Lot of happiness in Las Vegas to have him stay. You're Mike Tomlin. You had him in your closing thought. That didn't take long. By the next day, he had said he's coming back and he's fired up and he's ready to go. He's pumped. Oh, (laughs) rhetoric. (laughs) And then... I expected Mike McCartney to get the boot. He's not. He's coming back. I expected Nick Sirianni to get the boot. It doesn't look like he's going to. He fired his defensive coordinator today. I don't think that happens if Sirianni is going to get fired. So it looks like all of those coaches are coming back. Now it's just a matter of where does Bill Belichick land? Does Jim Harbaugh come to the NFL? But we're still on watch for right now. Yeah. I mean, we're up to me. And like we spoke about last week. To me, the Chargers would be uh, actually the best place for both of those coaches. Uh, I think it's a wait and see, but they need to, in my opinion, something's got to be happening fast. I think by this time next week, we have an answer to both of those questions. I would think so, because if it's not 
if it if it's not in the next week, then it's typically it's not going to happen before yeah, Super Bowl because they tend to want the NFL tends to want to lock this down right. so that there, there's no distraction. So you would think like if Harbaugh, because at some point Michigan's going to have to put some pressure on Harbaugh as well, because the longer he goes the harder it's going to be for them to recruit, to yeah. keep recruits, to right. keep people from leaving in the transfer portal and picking uh, picking a coach. So it's going to be interesting. But so far, no major further transactions. We'll just see what happens with Harbaugh and Belichick. So let's transition to the NBA, where Ernie is far more passionate than I am, at least this year, because his Boston Celtics continue to do well. Um, but what I want to really talk about, Ernie, is the NBA trade deadline is coming up. Right. Uh, one of the dominoes fell this week in an unexpected way. I think we've, we've heard talk about... Uh, Pascal Siakam getting traded for a year and a half now from all over the place, from the Golden State to, to all over the place. But I never really heard to the Indiana Pacers, but that's exactly where he ends up. And I actually think that's a really good trade for the Indiana Pacers. I do. I think that puts them number four, although the Cleveland Cavaliers have made a, had a, made a run this past week, winning eight out of their last ten. Uh that's a piece that Indiana needs. The way that they play their offense, the most prolific offense in NBA history to date, the way they're playing, although they lost today, only scoring 110 points to the Phoenix Suns. <clears throat> Pascal Siakam just gives them that much more uh, firepower. And I think the way that they play, uh, I'd be scared. They can beat any team on any given night if they are on they are on and that's you saw when they made their you know their run into the uh mid-season tournament game they can they can they can do damage and and, and that's a little scary i don't think they're gonna be uh i don't think they're really a contender i think the contenders on the east remain for me the boston celtics the milwaukee bucks and the philadelphia 76ers but i think in that second tier I think Indianapolis, uh, Indiana Pacers leapfrog the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, for that fourth spot for me. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly can. I mean, so far they're 0-2 since he's been traded there. They're just getting Halliburton back. He played yesterday, did not play today. He sat out today's loss against Phoenix. But you have a lineup now where you're talking about Pascal Siakam, you have Miles Turner, you have Buddy Hill, Halliburton. That's a tremendous starting lineup. And then you have Toppin and some of the others, uh, Mathren and Nebhard coming off the bench. I agree. I mean, they've been putting up like like Nintendo numbers yeah. offensively so far. I, I agree too that they're not equipped, I don't think, to take this to the playoffs and to knock off one of the top three uh, players for sure. So, but interesting. I mean, they gave up three number ones. There are some players in there to make salary cap work. Uh, Toronto is in full-fledged rebuilding mode. So I get it for them. Um, but I thought he was going to end up at a bigger brand. Uh, Milwaukee had talked about that. Now it seems, Ernie, the next domino to fall is DeJounte Murray, yeah. who's asked for a trade. Milwaukee rumored to want him. Talk about the Lakers wanting him. Um, he would be good for Milwaukee because he can kind of replace that Drew Holiday role of rebounding, defense, flexibility, that they, I believe that's going to cost Milwaukee when all is said and done. The lack of defense 
uh, is going to make it much harder for them to compete with a Boston when it comes to to the playoffs. So I think Dejounte Murray would fit nicely there. Of course, it's going to depend on who they would have to give up. Um, I don't want them with the with the Lakers. Like the Lakers keep talking trade, but the Lakers can't get. They're twenty one and twenty one or twenty one and twenty two. We're so inconsistent that. It's just kind of like throwing darts. Like the Lakers make moves just to make moves. I think if the (laughs) Lakers can get healthy, just be healthy together, maybe we make a run like we did last year. But the fact that they're 21 and 22 with Anthony Davis playing at an all-NBA type level and LeBron playing at an all-star level, you have the two superstars playing really well and you're still under 500. That doesn't bode well, and DeJounte Murray's not going to change that. So if you got to give up anything of substance to get him, I wouldn't do it. Uh, at this point in time, the Lakers are just going in circles. And uh, Yeah, that's to me, that's that doesn't look like a good trade. I mean, I, I can get, almost guarantee you that will not happen unless Austin Reeves is moved, and I don't think the Lakers, organi- Lakers management does that. I think Austin Reeves is uh, up. A piece that's going to be in the Lakers' future for a very long time. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I hope that he does not go to the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, again, like what you mentioned, it depends on what the Bucks give up in order to get uh, Murray there. But, boy, if that happens, uh, that makes them just a little... Let's see, it just closes the gap a little bit because... The Bucks haven't been the Bucks. I mean, I, I think they're in the bottom 10 in defense this year. I don't think DeJounte Murray puts them into the top 10, but he definitely moves them up into mid-range. And the way that the Bucks have been playing offense this year uh, under first-year coach uh, Adrian, well, I can't remember his last, his, his full name, Coach Adrian... Griffin? Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't need to have the number one defense. So, uh, and and Giannis in the playoffs is just a, a different animal. He's like, to me, he's the second most impactful other than Jimmy Butler uh, because he is so physical. And, you know, the referees during the playoffs, they let a little bit more go in the playoffs. And that's where his prowess shows up. So uh, I hope... If DeJounte Murray does get traded, I hope it's not to the Milwaukee Bucks. I hope it's not to the Philadelphia 76ers. I hope it's to uh, a team that's maybe in the playing game. Because, <laughs> yeah, he, he, can, he can cause problems. I remember, I thought, I, I never thought that fit with him and, <clears throat> and Trey Young was a good fit because they're both uh, ball dominant, in my opinion. They need the ball, and that that's why they're trading them. I think I I I I just don't think that experiment worked, you know. And that that to me that's bad on the Hawks general management team. I mean, to me that was that was already written before you know his arrival over there in Atlanta. But you know, lesson be learned. They're gonna want uh, equity in return, so that's gonna that that may come down to like the last minute right before the trade deadline but someone's going to make that move and it's also going to depend on how badly Trey Young's concussion is because he's now out with a concussion so they're going to need DeJounte Murray to hold down the fort while he is out so it's interesting any any news or any word or rumors on the Celtics or any activity they may have I don't think they're going to make if they're going to make a move it's going to be a, a minor move I don't think there's going to be 
any really major move. They may even look within the organization. They do only have 14 spots on their roster right now. They may move one of the G League players into that final spot. But it's hard. I mean, the the knock on the on, on the Celtics this year was that they 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 have a weak bench. That bench has gotten a lot, not a lot, but uh, more decent as the the year has gone by with Al Horford. Peyton Pritchard is doing uh, has upped his uh, uh, three point percentage. You know, in the month of December and January to around forty percent. Hauser is already at forty percent. Uh, and Al Horford is just an efficient basketball player. Uh, you have Cornette filling out that uh, roster as the first big man uh, to replace uh, Porzingis and Horford in case because both of them are are very injury prone. And in my opinion, uh, they're going to need everybody. They miss to me the Boston Celtics. If they have one injury. In that starting lineup, outside of Drew Holiday, they will not win the championship. Yeah, that, and that's that's the thing with them, I think. And you alluded to this earlier. We were talking off the air, and Ernie says that every almost every game, the Celtics get out to a big lead, and then they let the other team back in. Whether that's a lack of concentration, or I told Ernie, I think it's a lack of depth. They don't play a lot of people, and maybe they don't trust the the you know the other people down the stretch, but. They still have the best record in basketball. I still think they are the prohibitive favorite to me uh, in the in the East. Uh, the Sixers are still doing well. Um, Embiid is playing at a phenomenal level, averaging 35 points a game right now. That's that's just nuts for a center to be averaging 35 points a game. And what's even better this year is he's still over 11 rebounds. He's at six assists now. He's not quite uh, Nikola Jokic. But he's a much more versatile player. I believe he's having a better year this year than last year. This MVP race is going to be crazy because Giannis is shooting 61%, averaging 33 points a game. He's having a phenomenal year. Shea Gilchrist is having a phenomenal year. Nikola Jokic is never going to have the scoring numbers that these others do. But his efficiency is off the chart. Tonight again, 15 for 20 from the field, 12 for 14 from the line, 42 points in their victory tonight. His efficiency, especially over the last couple of weeks, has just been phenomenal. That race is going to be crazy. But clearly, right now, the front runner is uh, Anthony Davis from the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, no disrespect on AD. AD is one of the best. And when he's on, he's on. I just think the problem for him is that he's playing on the Los Angeles Lakers right now. And they, right now, they're... Uh, experimenting I guess you can call it that and I say experimenting in a nice way because last year we saw it I think last year at this point uh, right before the all-star break they actually had a uh, they were further back in the race yeah so I think right now they're actually in better positions you're talking about a team that we made, made it all the way to the conference finals uh, and I, I I think the way that they're constructed right now uh, are stronger than last year's team, and we, and we're talking like I said, right before uh, a month, uh, three weeks before the the trade deadline, so they can improve, you know, up, upon that roster. As far as Embiid is concerned, the one concern for, for me about him in regards to getting the MVP is they put in that rule last year of 65 games. Embiid has missed 14. From now until the end of the year, he can only miss. 11 games or else he will be disqualified from all postseason awards which is a travesty because he is definitely 
you know, worthy of being all pro, all NBA. And that's money in their pockets because these players right now, they get incented for making those all and all, all pro uh, uh, teams out there and winning some of these, uh, you know, prestigious awards that the NBA hands out at the end of the year. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage uh, and beat as far as his injuries are concerned, as well as the rest of the players who have missed, you know, significant time out there because, uh, you know, that's going to play a big part in, in, into, uh, you know, these post postseason awards. The only other thing in the NBA that I'm interested to see is what do the Golden State Warriors do? Mm. I mean, things are just not working. There's still chatter about trading Clay, trading Wiggins for sure, they need trading to. Draymond. At this point in time, I'm not sure if it just... I, I'm not sure if they can get younger or cheaper assets that they can build around Curry. Um, but Curry's 35, 36. You know, I think it seems like the Golden State dynasty is coming to an end. Now it's a matter of how do you leverage the older assets that you have to set you up for the next wave? Because I think this ship has sailed in terms of Golden State being able to put together a run or a team. Because trading Wiggins at this point, his trade value has never been this low. Yeah. They're not going to get much for him. I don't even think they'd get much for Clay at this Me point neither. in time. Um, Draymond would probably have the most value because of his versatility and his leadership. Um, Kaminga. Kaminga. But then again, if you're going to build, then you only trade Kaminga if you're going for it now. To me, if, you, if you're not going to go for it now, you've got to keep the young guy and try to bring talent to build around Curry and the Kaminga because Kaminga's playing pretty well right now. He's playing pretty well. Plus, I think Curry's window right now, uh, probably this year, next year, maybe the year after that. Yeah. Uh, you know, guards do have uh, a longer, uh, uh, I guess, longevity in the NBA than uh, other positions out there. And Curry's definitely taking care of his body in that in that sense. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to agree with it. They're going to have to make the... To me, it's writing on the board in regards to Clay Thompson. I mean, you get rid of him just for the sake of contract purposes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of money on the books. Yeah. You know that for if you don't, you know, if you're if you take an early exit this year, at least for next year and the year after that, you can be a player in the you know the off season. Well, it doesn't seem like they're going to resign him. I mean, and I and I'm not sure if that's factoring in to his play that he's hurt or frustrated that they're lowballing him. Uh, or what he views as lowballing, that maybe he deserves a max contract like Draymond wanted last year. But at this point in time, they would be foolish to do so. I mean, he is definitely past his prime. So you don't want to tie up another four years and $160 million on clay. That doesn't make sense. So we'll see. It'll be curious to see. But I think... Uh, I don't think there's a fifth title coming this year for the Golden they, State they, Warriors. They might not even make the playoffs. Well, right now, they're like 12th, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. They're, they're, not they're even, right there with the Lakers <laughs> battling for the 10th spot. <laughs> I put my money on the Lakers more than I would with the, the Warriors, and I like the Warriors a lot more than I do the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with that. So we're, we're that's Ernie Imanti again. We are the Sports Rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Again, a shout-out to Kule and Paul Brick, especially for all of the work they do with HPU Sports and OIA Sports and of course weekday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Wake Up in the Den. The amount of work, time, and effort that they put in to promoting Hawaii local sports is phenomenal. Um, This weekend, 
Soccer championships, Ernie's Campbell Sabres win the OIA title for the first time since 2015. Yeah, probably again to my daughter's team who played from Wanaloa. <laughs> but no. they beat Mililani though last yeah. night. Yeah, they beat they beat Mililani last night. Kalani wins the D2 championship. Kamehameha Punahou again going down to the wire. Uh, Kamehameha beats Punahou yesterday. Now it looks like it's going to be a winner take all ILH on Wednesday. Uh, and then it's the state tournament. What's disappointing is in the past when we were coaching and our girls are playing, mm-hmm. all of the OIA tournament was on TV. Only the championship game this year was on TV, which is very, very disappointing because soccer is huge here in Hawaii. It is, especially. And I'm not sure why they wouldn't show it. I'm guessing it's staffing or maybe they don't have the people to set up all over the place. But to me, in the soccer, um, it behooves the OIA to keep it in one stadium if it means that they can get three nights of TV. Because that's way more revenue for for the OIA. So something that has to happen. But I can't wait for the states to come around. It is weird, though, now that all of the girls that are playing or the we don't kind of know them because our girls are too old now. And most of the girls playing now are either siblings of people we played against. Um, But it's still fun and it's still exciting for local sports. But again, Kule and Paul Breck, Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on um, 760 a.m. and 95.1 FM. You can hear our podcast on hisportsradio.com. That's hisportsradio.com. Right there, click on podcast. The Sports Rivals will pop right up. You can listen to it now. Now, I'm going to transition to my closing thought. I'm going to talk a little bit about local college basketball, specifically the University of Hawaii. We'll start to talk more about NCAA basketball, especially Ernie's uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, who are really rolling right now in the top five. But I want to talk about the University of Hawaii. I think there is growing sentiment now. And I I want to do this in a very respectful way um but i think the frustration with the program uh and coach Gannat is is growing and i think the the warriors have lost eight out of their last ten um we've seemed to be in this rut where we're middle of the pack we're mediocre now for a, a long period of time and i think one of the things that is concerning to me or that really bothers me is that from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, there's no improvement. And I talked to Ernie about this off the air. The Wahine are a complete contrast. Laura Beeman loads up her schedule with with all the best teams in the country. We get hammered early on, but from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, they constantly are improving. They're currently first in the Big West, going for their third consecutive Big West tournament title. Whereas the men, we start off hot playing the Sisters of the Poor, and then when we start to get into the meat of our schedule, we start losing. But even more so than that, what concerns me is most of the players don't improve. Bernardo Da Silva has been here now for four years. Basically the same player for all four years. Noel Coleman was a all-Big West player his sophomore year. He's now, like, he's shooting like 30% from the field. He plays good defense. Uh, Javon McClanahan, 
all Big West last year, benched over the last two games, not even starting anymore. That's the concern. When you have players that are regressing and you're not developing players on the bench because he tends to play the same seven or so guys until this weekend where he started Munoz and he's playing rap and he's trying to incorporate more people, I think out of desperation. I think there's a real concern that this this program is in a rut. Now, whether there's a better coach out there that can turn this around, I don't know. I don't pretend to know how hard it is to, to recruit and develop people here in Hawaii. But it just seems like it's static. And what's really concerning is the lack of attendance. You know, there's only three to 4,000 people at a UH men's basketball game now on an on-campus arena um, and that's a concern because you needed to be a moneymaker. So I'm not saying fire Aaron Ganat, but I'm saying it's been a long enough period of time now yeah. where the style of play I don't think is conducive to fan attraction. They hold the ball a lot. They throw up shots at the end of the shot clock. They lose a lot of close games. I don't think it's a fan-friendly product. I don't think the results are where we want it to be. And I think you have to ask the question with a new athletic direction, uh, a new athletic director, is it time to possibly go in another direction? I'm not sure if you agree with me or not, Ernie. Give me your thoughts on UH men's basketball. Yeah, I think it's 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 a time where uh, you're going to have to at least explore it uh, depending on how they close out the year. But I'm going to agree with you in regards to that scheduling piece. I mean, it, it is. It's, 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 it's the... It's the weak sisters, I mean, of the league, uh, the one with handicaps. I mean, you're playing NAI, in my opinion, like lower, uh, yeah, it's it's scrimmage games. Let's just call it what it is. And that's how you're re- pretty much uh, loading up your schedule. And that, that does not bode well for when you have to play, you know, your regular conference schedule. I think uh, you sharpen iron with iron, not, you know, not with cotton balls, and I think that's what that that schedule pretty much looks like. Uh, in I'm not sure how much Ganak plays into scheduling, how much influence he plays. I think that's that maybe I'm not sure. Maybe it's the athletic director that needs to uh, uh, you know place his stamp on that piece of the puzzle. But something's got to change. UH men's basketball. I mean, going back to. Boy, when I first started watching basketball, when I was a little kid, me and my dad would watch uh, Coach Little, Larry Little, you know, back in the day. You know, even before that, I mean, I, I wasn't able to, I wasn't old enough to watch the Fab Five when they were the top of the top, but they would sell out a lot. But in my, but even when those Larry Little uh, years uh, were about... Uh, and they had mediocre teams. They were always excited, exci- an exciting team, and they always had attendance there. And the fan base was goggle over those teams. I even remember when we went, when we were at uh, you know in school, you know uh, those, you know those games were well attended. And right now with football the way it is, with the stadium situation the way it is, and the revenue system the way it is. And with this athletic director coming in saying he knows how to generate income, that there is writing on the wall that things are going to happen and happen fast because he's put a commitment into into revenue making sports. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I, I'm never a proponent of saying you have to fire someone. Everyone has their livelihoods, they have families, they have kids. I'm not saying that, but this is a profession that you have to have a critical eye taking a look at. And right now, it just seems like the UH men's basketball team has been the same team, relatively speaking, Year. for the last yeah. six or seven years. years. Mediocre. Right now, we're sitting at 10-9 and nine after starting 8-1, and 2-5 and five in the conference. We don't seem to be going anywhere. We're at the bottom of the conference now, in danger of not even making the Big West tournament. Um, something has to change to me. And... Uh, Hopefully, they can prove me wrong and get on a roll and roll to the Big West Tournament title. Um, but it just does not seem likely that that's going to happen this year. So, unfortunately, I'm not calling for anyone's head. That's not my place to do so. But I think if you're being objective, you're a Hawaii fan that's being objective, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that the men's basketball team has underperformed over the last five, six years relative to national averages, relative to our own basketball program with Laura Beeman and the Wahine. Um, if it wasn't for men's volleyball or any, our revenue stream would be really dismal. It's, a, it's, it's thank goodness that the men have won two national championships and played in three in the last three years because yeah. they are the number one breadwinner yeah. for the entire sports program right yeah. now. Yeah, and, and as far as Ganada is concerned, I mean, it didn't help that his his probably his best year was his first year. With somebody else's players, that's exactly, why. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it was pretty much downhill from there. Yeah. I think he has the, the basketball mind. I just don't know if he can, uh, you know, he can bring in the type of exactly. players. That's exactly what it is. I think that first year with better quality players, his X's and O's translated into us getting into the big dance. But since then, when it's his own players and the development of yeah. those players, that's where it seems to be something is wrong. They're not executing what he wants them to execute, and they're not getting better. They're, oftentimes, they're getting worse the longer they stay, and that's never a good sign for a coach that your players are not getting stronger. Whew! I do love UH Sports, though. I mean, when Ernie's talking about when he was... I mean, Ernie remembers when UH played Bill Russell when you were a freshman in college, right? <laughs> At, what was that? At, like, like, Block Arena on the, on Block, the naval shipyards. Block Arena. I still remember Block Arena. <laughs> See, I've never heard of Block Arena. Ernie just told me about Block Arena. All right, Ernie, you got anything else? I'm good. Again, check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. And again, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, an Apple podcast or an HISportsRadio.com. And until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.